0: it's actually quite ironic because these are the very same people that when you're like, you you talk about like socialism or whatever, and they're like, Oh, you're socialist. So you're typing from your iPhone. Huh? It's like, that's this like endless gotcha, but literally they're the ones that are on their TikTok or on their iPhones or whatever phones talking about in this possible 15 minute city that's going to happen. I'm going to be tracked. All my movements are going to be tracked. And it's like, that is literally already happening right at this very moment, sir or ma'am. Like yeah. you literally have a device on you at all times that has a microphone and is listening to your, what you say and you can be tracked by anyone. Your location can be instantly pinpointed at any moment. That is literally currently happening right now. And you're, you're complaining about this possible future. Um Just because, I mean, this is something we've, we've talked about before though, but it's just like, it's the thing that makes me very, very cynical about the future. Is when you talk about the idea of, you know, this climate crisis, and what we're going to do. Like we talked a little bit yesterday about, like, the carbon tax in Canada. That's been a big uh, source of conversation and debate. The carbon tax and how much the, should the carbon tax be, or whether that's contributing to anything. Or, you know, you have the Joe Biden's green agenda, which is like luring, like, building maybe a few more manufacturing plants and luring these kind of uh, companies building battery, EV batteries or uh, solar panels and you see people freaking out about that or just this basic idea of like let's just have some smarter urban planning to get people out of their cars so much so they can just live near amenities and you live near a green space and you have maybe some transit and you don't have to drive your car everywhere and everything is in your neighborhood and then it just it lowers the emissions like what we're talking about are these very mild moderate sensible market respecting solutions to this like huge existential crisis and just the way that people freak the fuck out about these very, very basic, uh, mild reforms, which are doing nowhere near coming near the severity or the seriousness that we need to kind of take this crisis and people lose it so much just over that. And that really is one thing that makes me very, uh, not, super enthusiastic about our ability to have any kind of a meaningful response to not just climate change, but like public health, like we saw with COVID or any, any real problem that we need to have a, a forceful public uh, reaction to. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just been completely rendered impossible to have any sense of social solidarity or any form of of meaningful changes that could actually you know affect these things because people are so ensconced in this in this kind of Reactionary bubble, and they're so offended by any efforts to to change anything about our lifestyles or, or anything at all. Even if even if it would actually make their lives better, like with their cars, you don't have to stay all day in traffic. You don't have to stay in traffic for hours every day. And these the same people are like, "Bro, I love staying in traffic. No, it's my right to sit in my car all day." And that's when I communicate with my kids the most, and everything. You know, it's even when their own lives are are going to be better, they still can't quite. Uh, grasp that you know it's it's pretty grim stuff
1: yeah that's the thing i mean it really does just boil down to big sweeping changes and people being uh just resistant to them and then when you add a layer of partisanship to it whether it's you know Soros or some liberal conspiracy they're happy to double down but dude that I, that just seems like such a no-brainer premise for me oh making all of this stuff walkable. I mean, that's been a big shift <laughs> yeah, for me. I, I yeah. For the past 10 years, I lived in a very walkable city with everything I needed within a couple of blocks. Now we have to drive everywhere. That is, it yeah. just feels weird. Oh, you need to go to the store, just the convenience store? You got to drive. You want to go to the gym? You want to go to the restaurant? You got to go here there? You got to drive. I have I just, I haven't had a car in years. It's just, and now it's just like, we, we drive everywhere. It's, it's very weird. And there is, there's convenience there's you know time saving like you're saying the traffic thing my god if we wanted to even get across town here it's going to be you know 40 minutes but in a city with good public transit which to la's credit they are now finally reinvesting in public transit and trying to build that out but every city should have it my god it's just it's
0: so convenient and that's in, I mean, it's interesting about LA itself. It has this legacy of being once home to this world class transit system that just for years, for decades and decades, was completely underfunded and completely ignored, partially like because of the influence of the auto industry. I think that it was like a kind of ground zero for this, like, car culture ex- explosion across the United States, right? Like this, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit is uh, is explicitly about this phenomenon, this very yeah. real phenomenon. But I think that's an interesting part of like LA's legacy in particular. Um, the way yeah. it was part, it was like the, the, the center stage for that kind of transition from a, a public transit heavy society to a, a individualistic car culture society. I kind just rewatched
1: that movie. Uh, oh, it's a so couple great. weeks ago
0: it's good. it's uh, so good it's it's just one of the best movies ever. Bob Hoskins in that movie is one of the best acting performances I think ever <laughs> He <laughs> ever. does everything <laughs> i I love it he does the he does the grizzled hard boiled detective stuff by the end of the movie. he's doing this wacky like slapstick like vaudeville clown stuff he just he does absolutely everything. he's acting next to a fucking cartoon that wasn't even there, you know, and you believe it. Because he's Bob Hoskins and he's just a legend.
1: It was a really anyway. good movie, and I, I
0: was—I
1: <laughs> hadn't seen it in maybe twenty years, and yeah. I just realized as I rewatched it that all of the messages went over my head as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And now watching it as an adult,
0: it's like, oh shit! This is <laughs> how did how did noise. this get made? Thank you for listening to this sample of the Insurgents podcast. To hear the rest of this episode and for more bonus content, please subscribe at theinsurgents.substack.com.